Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. I am Mike Kazaza. I once wrote a book called Waiting for the Fall. Chris Anderson, it's fall. I don't know how much further it can fall. This is as far as it falls. I This is recency bias, of course. I, I've covered a lot of brutal defeats. Brutal. I, I don't remember Hail Mary. I remember buzzer beaters. Uh, I can remember walk-off field goals, walk-off touchdowns, overtime losses. I don't remember Hail Mary. And then just something where you get... I have no investment, but there's the whiplash from the past... I don't know, 20 minutes of real time here from realizing that West Virginia was going to mess around and erase an 11-point lead and then severely jeopardize a very, very small lead and a very, very small margin, albeit against long, long odds, and then suddenly lose a game that at just different stages, Chris, had no business losing, and if we're being honest, should not have lost and, and cannot afford to lose. And here we are with a team that is four and two now, two and one in the Big Twelve, and this is one of the easier games remaining. It looked easy at times. West Virginia made it difficult at times. We can get into the first, I don't know, fifty nine minutes and forty eight seconds. I think we have to start with the final twelve, and that means we have to close off from this conversation a tremendous fourth and ten throw catch run from Garrett Green to Hudson Clement, and we begin with, I would assume, an extremely regrettable teaching point, if you will, penalty on Garrett Green for excessive celebration that this is this is so unfair for a game where he pressed 400 yards passing and played very, very well, but he made the ending possible. That, that's harsh. It, it's too definitive. It's reality, though. It almost feels like that uh, Rice Ford Wheaton mistake in the pit game. You know, remember we hopped on that. What did I don't even? Here's the thing. I don't even remember what else Bryce Ford Wheaton did in that game. But I remember he had what like a dozen catches. Like, didn't he have an amazing game in that game? Yeah. But now all we remember is the drop that turned into the big six. I, I don't know if people, if you talk about this game, you know, a year from now, are they going to be like, oh yeah, remember Garrett Green threw for 400 and counted for four touchdowns? And threw a touchdown to Hudson Clement with 12 seconds left. Like, they might not remember that because they're going to remember this ending and they're like, yeah, he 
threw the touchdown, but then he got that penalty. And and thus is athletics. Like that is that is sports. And you are either the goat or the goat, if you will. And he was looking like he was going to be the leader of this team. I was already ready to toot my own horn about how in the pregame pod I said this was the game where we could decide whether or not Garrett Green was the future quarterback of this program. And then that happens. I don't know if that really changes my opinion about his skill set, but the emotional roller coaster that you have with Green, like that wasn't, you know, that wasn't an anomaly what happened with that um with that penalty. That is who he is for better and worse. Also, this I cannot pin it on him. I think it's way too reductive to even boil down the finish to him. We can get into some of the other decisions at the end there that really do oh, we will confuse me. It's too. I just think it's too much. If I'm the officials, you've picked up. You've picked up multiple holding penalties tonight. You can't look the other way on a personal foul for excessive celebration on a 50-yard touchdown on fourth and ten to win the game with 12 seconds left on the road. You can't pick it up. I don't. I don't know what he did. I'm assuming he took his helmet off because that seems to be an automatic. And then officials are generally extremely subjective and forgiving when it comes to celebrations on an individual. A team penalty is different. As I understand, this is not a team penalty. It's Hunt Garrett Green. Correct me if I'm wrong on this before I go way too down the rabbit hole. But I, I just I have a hard time with that penalty. Nevertheless. Oh, yes. No, no, no. You're right. It, it was it was the helmet thing. I mean, they okay. didn't say it on the broadcast, but he was running around on the field without his helmet on. Okay. Yeah. Immediate post. So I'm assuming that's what that was. And they uh, called it on number six. I muted the broadcast about three seconds in. Wonderful night for me. But I hate the penalty. I understand. I hate it. Um, I just hate it. I, so I cannot pin that on him because there are just so many other things that before and even after that, they get it. But the fact is, it brings the kickoff back 15 yards. You've got to be really careful because at that point, you're thinking, you know what? Sneed has really scared me with my legs, his legs a couple times, and Golden brought one back. We have to do something here. I don't know if you blast it deep and end up, I don't know, on the five and just daring to do something. If you sky kick it, they did what they did. A little bit of a return. This is when it gets really interesting, Chris. Um, West Virginia had no timeouts, understandably. Used them on their final defensive possession, but I don't know how organized they were. And I'm I'm positive they practiced this. This is probably a period a week, maybe two periods a week, on uh, just defending Hail Marys. Um, it, it's not an extremely complicated task, but I think the first one they were expecting... I don't know, a 65-yard throw in the air from Smith. They give up an easy one underneath, and I'll I'll forgive that. I'll forgive that. I have no problem with that because there's only seven seconds. And how many times do you see a Hail Mary take seven or more seconds because the quarterback is trying to move around, get out of pressure, get himself a runway to step into a ball and launch it? So I don't even have a problem with that. I think some people will. Do you have an issue with the first down play there, or are you solely focused on the second down play? I'm solely focused on second down play. Where do we begin? Let's start with personnel. Um, Okay. Well, but wait, 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 wait. no, no, no. let's not start with personnel. Let's start with lineup first, like how they were aligned. Because you may not realize, like I was thinking it as it it was, as it was happening. And I know you had it on mute, the broadcast on mute, but your boy Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman were both like, well, West Virginia players are kind of slowly moonwalking back towards the end zone. 
really they're walking and yeah and i'm staring at it and i'm looking at even further up like lance dixon up near the 40 for whatever reason kind of just walking around i'm like where where is he going what is his purpose here who is he defending like is he going to run with these guys you watch the clip the answer is no not really they kind of go by him uh and then I can't tell who that is. Is that Lee Koba who is like spying? As like like they show four pass rushers and then somebody drops back to spy. You can't tell if that's Bradley or Koba. Like, what is that? <laughs> you either rush the passer or you drop back in coverage. Why are you spying on a Hail Mary from the 50 yard line? I I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, so much loss for words for so many of these things. And that's just the beginning because, of course, I mean, do you want to go ahead and talk about the personnel as well? Well, yeah. If you're going to pass rush, are you pass rushing with Ed Bistarinen? Seriously, are you? Or are you going like Martin, Tomiwa, Bartlett, Bradley? Like, you're not trying to stop the run here. This is, again, this is, this is. I don't want to say it's like a hindsight thing, but like teams practice this stuff and coaches are coaches are detailed on things like this. And if they're going to spend a practice period a week on it, maybe two or whatever. They're certainly going to think about who they put in the field. Um, Vesterinen, Martin, and I believe it's Bradley and Koba. Uh, Excuse me, um, Bartlett and Koba. Um, Chris, they have two spears in the field. And one of them is Lance Dixon, who is a linebacker, basically, who has become a spear and is kind of you know, deferred to Hershey McLaurin in the starters role. They have two spears in the field, which are hybrid linebacker safeties. Um, they have two corners and three safeties in the field. They don't have anybody near, as I can tell, taller than, like, as a defensive back, taller than McLaurin, who I believe is 6'2". Yeah, and again, I not, think, not really defensive Can I interject back. on the Anthony Wilson as your deep guy, who is measured in at a very, very generous five foot nine Marcus Floyd who has had better games but again hamstrings Chris if not who what other safeties you're putting back there that know how to do it what other corners are you putting back there now I will ask you this where's Andrew Wilson lamp tall long corner um is he not in the the Hail Mary package uh Jacoby Spells is I believe six foot longer guy Ruffin's fine he was in the screen he was in the picture that's 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 unfortunate for him um again I don't have a problem with having your two corners out there I don't have a problem with you know the safeties out there especially because they just don't have a lot of options but not a you'll see you'll see Rob Gronkowski on Hail Marys it blew up spectacularly in their face as you know as a Miami Dolphins fan Chris Mm -hmm. but you'll see receivers back there sometimes and I, maybe West Virginia is too traditional in the sense some coaches are not going to be exotic when it comes to a play that you might see just once a year, maybe if that. And again, how much practice time you devote to it? Are you really going to give a receiver reps? I don't know, but I imagine this is going to be on the drawing board. I don't know on the plane ride home tonight. Maybe that, that you probably have to go back and study this and figure out why did this go wrong? Not what went wrong because we know what went wrong. Why did it go wrong? It it, it certainly starts at the snap because like, there's a guy who's just standing on the 40 who has nothing to do with the play. Um, Lance Dixon is backtracking, chasing the play, and there's a tip ball, and he's not really in the picture to do anything there. Again, this ball ends on a tip to a player who was running toward the goal line. That's really hard to believe, and that's how it happened. 
it's it is i think you put it best right there it's hard to believe it's hard to believe that this was the hail mary package not your best pass rushers couple extra linebackers two spears five foot nine safety and then another safety that the own head coach has said is not good in coverage i again like there's just so many things that are i can't wrap my head around with that last play and then to watch the ball go up and see Clarin go up trying to catch it instead of knocking it down is, you know, just the cherry on top. Neil Brown crushed. The camera catches him right away. You you can some of the sideline shots because it's coming from the Houston sideline and you can see the West Virginia sideline in the background and just the agony is clear. Um it's it's probably lyrical, poetic, whatever. If you are a fan of just the drama and pictures worth a thousand words, if you're a West Virginia fan, player, parent, whatever, it sucks. I understand that. But you can just tell how, how just devastating this was. And then Brown, I don't know, man. I hope he got his pound of flesh with the officials on the penalty. Did you have to call that? Why'd you call it? You realize what you did? Um, were you trying to make this more exciting? I, I hope he got that stuff in. I also assume that, and I'll have to get an understanding of this, they did not to the PAT, and without question, Houston is going to just take a knee, but Joe Pisarczyk comes to mind, just stuff like that, like maybe they bobble it, like you want, you want, you just saw a miracle. You want a chance for your miracle. Trouble is, you, you also just had your miracle too, um, two minutes earlier, but I would assume that some of the conversation with Brown on the field, again, is him making sure he gets that two cents in about the penalty. But also, are we going to kick the PAT here? And I think when the home, I think when you have a game winner, a walk off like that, you don't, you don't do it. You don't have to. Uh, and again, it's inconsequential because Houston's going to take a snap and take a knee. They're not going to kick it. They're not going to get a kick blocked by a team that blocked two last week and run it the other way and go to overtime. So it doesn't really matter. But to me, that was a snapshot and just how frustrating and devastating and painful this is. And this is a just, oh man, this is a, I, I don't know what this is, Chris. It's not a kick in the stomach. It's not a kick in the nether regions. It's it seems like it's one of each and and maybe something else too. This one really, really, really hurts, especially at the end of a week where West Virginia was kind of foretelling that things were turning. This is a different program, a different team, and the offensive numbers say yes, the defensive numbers say no. But this is a game that they had lined up to win, and and they did not win it, and it's going to cost them. It's going to cost a big. I. I was talking about this before. I think it was with our Houston guys. And I was like, this is just this weird situation here where Houston's not a very good football team. And, you know, other than the Dana angle, like what, why would this game be so important? And it, it did just have this feel of despite a four and one start, like a lot of that goodwill built up with that four and one start could be lost in one night. And based off of immediate reaction, I'm seeing from fans on our message board and, peppering me with all sorts of stuff on social media that that seems to be the case because this is this one's gonna hurt and i think it's gonna add even more i think confusion is the best thing right now it seems like a lot of anger from fans but i think confusion might be the better word because hey through the first five games like hey offense stinks but it's holding on to the ball you're not making stupid mistakes and the defense is great and special teams is great. 
And then you get to this game and the defense stinks and the special teams stink. And the offense is great, but they're making stupid mistakes again. So it's just this the team that you saw tonight in all facets, it's good, like, you know, what got better and what got worse is completely different from the team you saw for the first few weeks. And so fans are now even more confused, which is turning to anger because of how it went and who it went happened to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's um this this just brings stuff to the surface that you kind of hope you had submerged, and it's maybe not fair to the conversation, but it does bring the conversation back. And this is what you do. I mean, this is unfortunately if you're involved in it, that's what happens. Those are the consequences of the actions. Um, long time between games. West Virginia hasn't played this month before tonight. Last game September 30th, and um, perhaps you noticed, Chris, a lot of media attention pointed at West Virginia this week. And um, I, I let talked me ask to- you about that because I got about 15 messages about that saying. What the hell are they doing letting all the national media in during the bye week before Dana? And a lot of messages of, oh, God, now it's a definite loss. Well, I think they're unrelated. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think they lost because of this. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it like deferred, you know, distracted them from the game at hand because this seemed to be a well, I mean, defensively, some struggles. I think a lot of that was losing one-on-ones, yeah. which I talked about my stock up, stock down. Like, guys, I don't think the scheme was wrong. And and on offense, they got a lot more creative. And they that that was coaching and play calling. That was different and good, and good things happened. So I don't think they got distracted. But the timing seemed to rub at least a few people the wrong way. I don't know, man. I don't think you could be pushing the car and say you arrived at the wedding. You know, like if you're still a mile away, you're still a mile away. Um, if you're in the driveway and you're pushing, you're still not at the party. So that's just me. Um, I haven't read. I, I read the story that Brandon Marcello from 24-7 did because I was very interested in that. I like Brandon. We work with him. Great. The other one was, it was an ESPN Athletic. Is yeah, Athletic. Right? Was it the an athletic. embedded piece? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not just doing that. And uh, I like the guy who wrote it too, but I'm just, I'm jealous and mad. I don't have that access. So extremely petty of me. Don't care. Good for him. It's a weird thing um, that it happens right before this because who are they trying to convince, Chris? And the wrong people. This is the one the, thing. The people a, you need to convince are the people in Morgantown, yeah, not, like, not the hey, national media. Well, I just mean like, outsiders or insiders at this point like are they trying to get people to really look inside of what they have going on there that's fine but shouldn't results really bring that you know to the forefront and make it completely transparent you would think so maybe that's an unfair criticism if they win the game tonight you're saying wow what, what an opportunistic moment by neil brown to let the national media in the other side of that is what happens tonight and you have to deal with it but i do think this they've worked really hard to be able to open the doors and to see people there waiting and, and wanted to write about them in in positive terms because for him especially all the ink has been spilled about his job certainty and for a moment to him to embrace something different. I don't begrudge him for that one minute. So that's fine. I get that. But the timing is certainly conspicuous. And if you're into omens or just momentum or doing what works, this is certainly 
it's a step to the side of what had happened before, um, which goes over some other stuff, including the defense. Um, Chris Donovan Smith completed his last 15 passes, including a Hail Mary. That is. Oh, I thought they said 16. Your boy Tim Brando said 16. Is it? Oh, that's saying. right. The are check you, down. Are you the purposefully down. leaving down the Hail Mary? The check that's down, correct. Brutal. I'm the check down. Okay. Um, that's wild. Um, to to get on and and like high degree difficulty throws too. And for a guy in the beginning of the game who looked off, he could not hit passes in the flat. He could not hit simple stuff. And they were open, just wide open sometimes. And I wrote this at halftime in our VIP thread. They figured some things out at the end of that first half, and they went to it. And you could see they were setting some things up for the second half. Um, I've, I've watched this offense for eight years, and, and you can see sometimes where they're going for the seam routes, where they're trying to set things up one-on-one outside, and they went to it again and again and again. It was very successful. Um, this was not like West Virginia's defense. West Virginia's defense had not allowed a second-half score. Touchdown, I should say, in the third quarter. Uh, had not allowed a second, a third-quarter touchdown. In the last three games, they allowed a lot of points tonight um, in the third quarter and then in the fourth quarter, too. There were 42 points in the fourth quarter, but their second-half defense had been great in this winning streak, um, especially in the third quarter, and got completely overwhelmed in the second half tonight. And it's not a manpower thing. I thought Ben Cutter was okay. Didn't have a problem with him. Um, the secondary, up to that last play, had issues for sure because they got picked on. Floyd didn't have a great game. Some of the corner issues were were kind of just what they were, and they just don't have subs. This is what we talked about at the beginning of the year. Um, if they were going to get injured, they were going to have problems because they don't have a lot of people, period. And then if the people you're keeping off the field are suddenly on the field and there's no one else to challenge them, you're stuck. And that's kind of where they are right now. No Aubrey Brooks tonight. Obviously, no Montre Miller for the year. No Keyshawn Cobb for the year. Stuck. And it's not going to be better before... Burks gets back and it's not going to be better at cornerback. That is kind of who are who they are. They have what they have right now. And it is tonight any sort of foreshadowing, especially with Oklahoma State coming to town and, and an offense that's it's an air raid offense. I, I was going to give a little pushback on the manpower problem. Not because, again, not because these guys that are out there are bad. But because you could I'm very curious what the snap counts are going to say. I mean, I, I know what my eyes think they saw tonight. And that was not a lot of subs outside of the defensive line. And, I mean, I'm talking like Ruffin and Bishop out there for every single snap. Every snap. Koba uh, and maybe Ben Cutter out there for every snap or close to it. I mean, they, those guys looked exhausted at some points in the second half. And they're only playing as well as their bodies will allow them to at that point. And, and like you said, they're stuck. Like West Virginia's stuck. They don't have another option right now. And that's due to injuries, you know, losing players in the past couple off seasons and stuff like that. And I don't know what the answer is going to be or if they even have an answer, but those guys look freaking exhausted in the second half. And, and the stats and the scores kind of show that. Um, but I'm very curious what the snap counts are going to show. Uh, Gyro Favris played a couple series. Um, I, I don't know that they played the nickel back tonight, Chris. I'd have to look it it looked like the same guys out there almost every, I mean, other than defensive line, it looked like the same, you know, seven other guys basically the entire game. Almost. It's tough. Um let's do some positives. Sound good? Green yeah. 
Green was not very good in the first half. He was five for 12. In the second half, he is 15 for 26, which again, isn't terrific. But man, we're talking about a guy, we, we kind of obsess about 20 yard air passes, right? Passes that go 20 yards in the air. At one point, he had 13 completions for 260 plus yards. That means he was averaging 20 plus yards per completion. He ends up 20 completions, 38 attempts, 391 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That is not his fault. In fact, that's a bobble by Jalen Anderson, who is he better be careful because <laughs> uh, because Jaheim White's taken over. I don't know what's up with Justin Johnson. You probably need to be curious now about his future. And DJ Oliver traveled and did not travel last week. So White's number two right now. Anderson has not let the world on fire. And that is a game changing and and. If you're going to pin things on Garrett Green for a penalty, you got to give Green a nod here. Say the interception is not his fault. That was a perfectly thrown ball on a play that they really, really like. They go to it a bunch. That's what Nico Marchio got moving with um, against Texas Tech. That same formation, that same route concept. Um, not his fault on the interception there. That's his only miscue, apart from some errant passes. I get that, but that's what you're going to get with Green. You're going to get a guy who turns in 20 for 38, and you say, holy cow. Great game. Um, ran the ball okay. Pretty much stayed out of trouble. Made a lot of things happen with his leg. You, you brought this up. Is this the game where you make your decision on him in the future? I, I feel like it's not a question anymore. They have, or the coaching staff has, or he has, or however we want to phrase this, I'm going to say they have embraced the Skyler Howard offense. This is the type of game that reminded me of a Skylar Howard-led offense, for better and worse. And again, West Virginia won a lot of games with Skylar Howard at quarterback. Um, he bombed it deep. He ran the ball. He was emotional. He threw interceptions. But they won games, and the offense was kind of exciting at times. And I went back and looked. The last time a WVU player... 20 or fewer receptions. And you know, he was he had 20 or excuse me, 20 completions for 391 yards. Last time any WVU player was even close to that or around that, Skylar Howard, September 10th, 2016, 20 completions, 389 yards. Looks like two yard difference. It was like exactly like Skylar Howard kind of game. Um and I dig it. Like embrace it. That that is what Green can run. Green has a strong arm, and it may not be entirely accurate. You're going to miss some of these more precise throws. He doesn't have a lot of touch and finesse, um, as you saw when he literally dislocated EJ Horton's <laughs> pinky finger. <laughs> um, so don't don't fight it. Just embrace it. Just you're, you're gunning it deep. You're going hard. You're going long. You're running the ball. You're going long, and that's it. And that's what they should embrace on offense. And they seem to do that today. And I I think. That was a couple of the things my stock up was green and the offensive creativity. It, this was this looked like a different offense. And maybe it was all that window dressing that you talk about with the pre-snap motion. I mean, I think it was like a 10 second, you know, little intro to every single play that you had to sit through. But it worked mostly. And, you know, I think if West Virginia can put up 30, 40 points, they're going to win a lot of games this year. Yeah, you think so? I think so. I think I'm going to go out on limb. I uh, I really like the offense and what I saw because something that we had talked about. I don't remember if it's, it was definitely on my um 
open week questions that need week six answers. How was this going to look different offensively because they had to change things? And it looked differently tonight. You saw a lot of pistol. You saw more Jaheim White. You saw more Rodney Gallagher. You saw more EJ Horton. And I loved what they did with Devin Carter. Um, Devin Carter had not been able to get open and get it going outside. He was rarely an outside receiver tonight. And if he was, he was stacked behind a receiver. He was getting free releases. He played a lot of slot. He played a lot in bunches. He was getting free. And if that big guy gets moving without getting bumped or without getting somebody jamming him, if he can work in the middle of the field and run those, probably, I guess they would call them like over routes where you're kind of running over that second level of the defense and you're running over across the other side of the field. Green really liked that moving out. If you can move Green to one side and he can track a receiver across the field, that receiver is as big as Carter. That's a welcoming thing. Um, also, Carter doesn't have the perimeter block when he's not on the perimeter. And blocking is not his strong suit right now. Um, so you know what? Just like any other coaching in any other sport, you don't put players in position where they're not comfortable. And if he's not a comfortable blocker on the perimeter, which he's had some moments this year where he has not looked very good, uh, those have been highlighted online by the coaches, so on and so forth, guess what? He shouldn't be doing that. And they were able to sit down in the open week and say, you know what, we're going to get you off the perimeter. Or if you're on the perimeter, you're not going to be on the line. We're going to give you free releases. This is his best game tonight. He looked dangerous. He had 11 targets. Uh, only caught five passes for 116 yards. He's going to get dinged for a drop. Um, it was a great play by a really, really good defensive player. Um, that guy made Halsey. Halsey made, I think, 15 tackles and had a crunching hit that knocked the ball out of Carter's hands. Um, it ultimately didn't matter because Clement scores. Um, and, and again, the offenses look good and move quick at times. There was some tempo. I thought tempo would help them get into rhythms and sustain things, but the defense is what kind of set them back tonight. It just kind of got picked apart. And then really at the end of that second quarter, that, that final second half of that second quarter, things just started to go Houston's way. They started to play a little bit quicker. And I thought that drive at the end of the first half where Houston had to go tempo to move, um, only five for five for I think like maybe 35, 45 yards for Smith. He started believing himself. He started to feel really good. They got a touchdown to go in the halftime with a lead. And all of a sudden, Cougars wake up and they feel like they're in the game. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I think uh, he's a guy that, and when we talked on the pregame pod, I said, you know, I'd be a little worried about him because, he got hot in those last two games, 75% completion percentage or something like that. and was throwing TDs, not throwing interceptions. But he came out looking terrible. I mean, Dana was ripping him a new one coming to the sidelines multiple times in that first half. But, yeah, that that stretch there where WV went back-to-back three and outs on two separate drives that took up like a total of two minutes. Brutal. And... Then it just like you know it was kind of a situation where it was like West Virginia could have eaten up some time. They could have scored, done the the thing that every coach loves, where you score right before the half, and then you get the ball back in the second half, or just ate up the clock. And they couldn't. They just couldn't do it. And yeah, you know, you keep giving him enough chances, keep giving him enough chances. He finally found his rhythm and got it moving there at the end of the first half. You're right. Yeah, and I think if we look back at some time here in the future, if if things go well for West Virginia, or if they don't, really, it, it's kind of choose your own adventure here. But you'll go to this drive because that was a referendum on on at that moment on Garrett Green and on the defense. West Virginia got the ball with about three forty left on its ten yard line, ran the ball three times, did not drain the clock, and just said, you know what, quarterback's not going to throw a pick here. 
can't be intercepted in a handoff. And we trust the defense. And what happened? Three and out, punt it back. Houston goes down and scores. The defense started to un- unravel a little bit. And then go to the end of the game, Chris. You give the ball to Green, and what does he do? Bang, 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 bang. Down the field, scores a touchdown. And, and, and look at this, too. Go back and look at the play-by-plays. Houston's first three touchdowns, West again, a kickoff return and two offensive touchdowns. One, uh, one at the end of the first half, one in the third quarter. Um, so after a kickoff return touchdown, after a drive at the end of the first half, and after a drive in the third quarter, Green let them on touchdown drives every time. Um, they did not trust him at the end of that first half, it seemed. And maybe it's on him as much as just like, let's not risk it. We have the lead. Let's trust our defense. But the defense did not stand up to that challenge. I wonder if that's a turning point in philosophy for Brown, for the coaches, whatever, or if that's foreshadowing of what may come. It, it seems like they're going to have to really circle that sequence there and say, all right, is this a pivot moment for us? I don't know. But the end of the game, and it, we forget about this completely. Uh, Doug Belk was playing like single high safety. It was like a cover one extremely forgiving coverage and just matching up guys with, as you mentioned, really, really soft coverage. Guys were going to be open because they left them open there too. But Green picked them apart and made plays and looked really, really competent. Um, Had his, well, I was going to say had his head on straight, but that was fleeting. But there were a lot of good signs for the offense tonight and it's going to be forgotten. Can they, is that transferable to a home game against Oklahoma State? We'll see. They better hope so. Yeah, look at that second half. Here's the here's the here are the drives for West Virginia in the second half. Four plays, touchdown. Uh, six plays should have been a touchdown. That was the dropped Jalen Anderson that ended up as an interception. Eleven plays, touchdown. Three and out. Eleven plays, touchdown. Seven plays, touchdown. So they had six drives in the second half. Four of them were touchdowns. A fifth should have been a touchdown, and then the sixth was a three and out. Like, I mean, obviously that's not sustainable, but that's a sign of, again, some changes at the half and getting more aggressive. I, I agree with you. Like, they got more aggressive in that second half. And I think after that point there where they didn't at the end of the first half and it cost them and the offense kind of carried them in the second half. Yeah. I mean, that, that turning point may have already been isolated and studied because they were, like you said, much more pedal metal in that second half there too. And and just frankly, um, Houston's offense has better skill players than – TCU for sure, probably also Texas Tech. Texas Tech's running game is superior. Uh, the quarterback situation tonight, I would say definitely better than Texas Tech given the injury, and I would take Donovan Smith tonight over Chandler Morris, and you just wonder, West Virginia's run into two um, cohesive, effective, healthy offenses at home, but Penn State and Houston, and look what happened. Um, those teams have gotten the better of West Virginia's defense. I don't want to say fool's gold. I hate that because you still have to play the games and win them. And as we saw in the first half against Duquesne, bad things can happen against bad teams sometimes too. But I, I just wonder right now how much of tonight is reality or at least a, a a preview into the future. And then I also wonder how many offenses they're going to see that are built like this when it's a true air raid, you've got a quarterback who got hot at home and, and golden and Brown and, and Manjack are, are good players. They have just enough in the running game to keep you honest, probably. Um, there's good offenses left, I guess, but I wonder, I just wonder how much this this turns the worm, so to speak. Yeah, the, the, this is going to be, obviously, this next game is going to be one to watch because this if you're 5-1 and one going into homecomings next weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, you got all the momentum in the world that point and again you're staring down uh, as you as you have written 
since before the season, a rather easy second half schedule. Things could have gotten very special. You would have been in the top 25. You would have been ranked. You would have been one game away from bowl eligibility. Everything going your way. Now, you got to be careful. You got to be careful out there. Remember when they almost beat Oklahoma a couple of years ago and they said, we'll see them in the, in the Big 12 championship game? I do recall something to that. It's the last time I remember bravado like this, and obviously things did not go well. That was two years ago. Um, similar, like Jess Thumping tonight, this week, I should say, just didn't work out, and you know, we'll see what happens now. It's it's um, I'm trying to think just back in the back of my head here, Chris, like worst losses. I mean, they, they've lost lopsided before. I can't think of a loss like this under Brown. And just quickly, the one that comes to my head, and this is this is something that we can probably debate about or talk about, whether it's in follow-up stories or three things or on the boards. But like that that game against Miami, the Quincy Wilson, Brandon Merriweather game, the the Kellen Winslow catch, the John Petey field goal, that's the one that I, I think stings the most when it comes to the top of my head as it goes to like what fans probably felt like, just because that was that was Miami, like legit Miami. Um, this is not Miami, but it's that coach who you really want to beat and to lose on a Hail Mary and such an exciting finish where you're just thinking, man, 39 points, gritty again, things are turning. And then whoosh, to have that that tablecloth pulled off the setting is, again, it's it's a kick here, it's a kick there, it's a punch here, it's a punch there. It's it's going to take some time to get over this. This is, again, this is recency here, but I wonder if this is not the biggest challenge for Neil Brown in his five years and a guy who's seen a bunch, but just the nature of what it's going to take right now to be on that plane, to, to stand in front of the team in the locker room, to talk to them tomorrow, to get them ready for next Saturday's game on Monday in practice. Like that, there's just a series of things right now that are probably unique to him. I don't know if he's lost on a Hail Mary before, but not here, not with these guys, not when they think they were on the uptick like this right now, this is a really, really big moment for him in in his tenure here as the head coach, and it'll be extremely interesting to see how they respond. And I'm assuming that they will want to stay on track. How they do that, if they do that, certainly worth watching right now because it's not going to be easy. Um, they can pull it off. They, they certainly seem they have the disposition, but just human nature right now, it's going to be hard. These extra couple of days might help them. Yeah, this is emotionally, This is I mean, this is devastating for them. I, I mean, if you watch those guys on the sidelines, not the defenders that were going out on the field, but the offense and everybody else that was sitting over there, staffers, everybody, game was won. It was over. They were already talking and celebrating as if the game was over. And then to have that kind of pulled away from you is something else entirely and, and, and could really have some lingering effects. But a couple extra days, maybe that helps. But, yeah, they got to get back on track because I'm trying to think of a game like this where it was just back and forth at the end like that. And I, I go back to, like, the 2012 season with the TCU game, the Oklahoma game that were both one-pointers. But at that point, to be quite honest, like, the season was already kind of done because of earlier losses. So this one, this one stings even more, I think. Lots of time to unpack this because, as you mentioned, extra space between games. Um, text from game day, Monday, three things I think, three things I know, Sunday. We're going to keep all that on schedule for me. We'll definitely have some uh, snap counts and notes and quotes in the post game in our coverage on the website. Friday, Chris, what do you have up your sleeve? 
that'll be that for for that weekend. The, some more recruiting news coming up, and then we'll have some more basketball stuff from uh, Eilert and a couple of the players that were available earlier this week. Secret scrimmage Saturday. Mm. It's basketball season because it's fall. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.